CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ market site. We've got a big show ahead for you. The guys are getting ready for that. In the meantime, here's what's coming up. After a big run off the lows, Dan says a nightmare is brewing for one of the travel stocks. He'll tell you how to play it. Plus, fast food stocks are sizzling. But Mike Coe says there's one name in the bunch that's too hot to handle. He'll give us the trade. And Alphabet. It's the final frontier. Alphabet is the last of the FANG stocks to report earnings next week. And as the stock has lagged its peers this year, the chartmaster says there's more pain ahead. He will explain. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And we start with the final Fang Frontier. Alphabet, the company set to report earnings Monday after the bell. The options market is implying a more than 4% move in either direction for the stock. So will it follow the likes of Facebook up 10% from its earnings report this week or maybe follow Netflix and Amazon lower? Let's get straight to the chart master, Carter Worth, who's over at the plaza. Hey, Carter. All right, so high stakes uh, poker, uh, betting against one of the great champions of all time, but that's the bet here. Uh, its pattern is not similar to Facebook, interestingly. It's quite similar to Amazon. Um, let's look at it. The 09 low, 10 years, putting the lines, and what we know, it is ascending perfectly, and it has bounced repeatedly off the well-defined trend line. I mean, literally, to the penny, to the penny, to the penny, to the penny, and then it has broken below, and that's the issue. Is this the beginning of something worse? That's the bet. Let's zero in on this a little bit more. Here then is the current period tightened up, not the past 10 years, but the past two or three. And what you have is there again, zeroing in, the breaking of trend. But that's not the only way to draw the lines. One can draw them like this, a pretty well-defined head and shoulders top with the neckline being here. One can put in that trend line again, and it all sort of sets up for something, I think, which is more risk than reward. Uh, the bet here is that uh, Google is going to struggle, uh, very similar to perspective the way Amazon did, Microsoft and other marquee names in, in, in the S&P 100. All right. More risk than reward. Mike, what's your trade? Yeah, I think uh, the way to play this is to try to take advantage of the fact that options premiums tend to be slightly elevated going into earnings. We want to sell that. I'm not looking for a really sharp move here. If we take a look at the last eight quarters, that isn't what we've typically gotten. It's been really kind of a big nothing burger typically coming out of coming out of earnings. Right now, the valuation on Google is not wholly unreasonable. Uh, but it is slightly elevated relative to its own historical averages over the last couple of years. So I think the way you do this, you could look out to April, buy the 1,100 puts, spend $41 for those. Then you could sell the February 1,100 puts against it, collect $22. That's a net debit of $19. There's a couple ways that a trade like this can pay off if the stock basically just lingers and does essentially what it has been doing throughout the last eight earnings quarters or what it's been doing just in the recent weeks relative to the market. That's going to pay off. Uh, and then, of course, once those February puts roll off, you're going to own the April puts now at a fairly substantial discount. So, you know, a lot of these situations, you know, Amazon, it feels like it was a sharp move because in dollar terms it was. But in percentage terms, it really wasn't. 
Google is a similar circumstance. It's a high dollar stock. So, you know, this strike is 25 bucks out of the money, but it's really a very small percentage. We're really looking for a move over the course of the next couple of weeks that's going to be probably fairly modest but slightly weaker. All right. Well, you might all have noticed that Dan's not here on the desk with us. He's actually in Atlanta hanging out for the Super Bowl there this weekend. So, Dan, what do you think of Mike's trade? Yeah, so I find it really interesting. We've kind of tried to focus on some um, call calendars, put calendars, um, trying not to be as directional into some of these events, especially um, as the market is cooling down after a very volatile period. So I kind of like Mike's put calendar here because Carter's not saying that this thing is going down 10% in a straight line. He's saying that the technical setup is starting to deteriorate. And when you look at some of these mega cap tech names over the last month that have reported since Apple's pre-announcement, we've had moves that have been other than Facebook, obviously, but that have been within the plus or minus of the implied move. So even if you agree with Carter that ultimately Google may start going lower, Mike's trade works out in the near term if you're not expecting a greater than expected move. So I like the trade structure. I also really do like the technical setup. I just don't think you're going to get the sort of fundamental bomb when they report on Monday that's going to send the stock down dramatically in one fell swoop. No, that's right. It's probably not going to be anything dynamic. In fact, what the implications were a four, four and a half percent move, and uh, it could be less than that. Uh, nothing fireworks like. But the issue is the position the stock is in that's so similar to Microsoft, so similar to Amazon, Visa, other super cap names that basically have held up the market, all of which have stalled. Does this basically end up doing the same thing? That's the bet. Yeah, I mean, and again, you know, just taking a look at what kind of numbers they're going to report, I expect them to be probably pretty good. There have, obviously, we've got that big fine coming out of the EU. That's already baked into the cake here. You know, it's also interesting from a strategic point of view, what's the company trying to do? It seems like they're trying to maybe get back into hardware. It's kind of interesting when you think of them rolling into and out of Motorola earlier as they're trying to find basically a sweet spot, I think, that they've identified some of the things that Apple is doing right. Not everything, but I think that's kind of the direction that they're taking. And I, the net result of that is I expect people to come out of their earnings report and try to digest what's going to happen. And I expect the movements to be relatively modest. All right. Now let's move on to vacation stocks taking off in the past month. Airlines, cruise liners, booking sites, all getting a boost in the new year. But Dan says the setup in one of these names is nothing more than a travel nightmare. So Dan, what are you looking at? Well, let's, let's look at Expedia here. And, and one of the reasons why it's obviously um, a U.S. multinational, a little less than half of their sales are external to the U.S. Um, you know, this stock has been in a pretty well-defined downtrend. There's been a couple times, including just today, where it's picked itself up above that downtrend. But they report next week, and the options market is implying about a 7.5% move in either direction. And I want to go back to December, and I want to start thinking about some of the reasons why stocks were plunging. One one of the reasons was obviously um, the Fed and, and the Fed action there, but the other one was trade and global growth. And during that period, we had a couple disappointing pre-announcements. We had uh, Carnival Cruise Line um, in late December pre-announced. We had uh, Delta right in the beginning of the year pre-announced some bad results. Uh, we had Marriott, one of the largest hotel operators. Um, by revenues and by market cap was down a whole heck of a lot um, in sympathy. And I think that this is a group where even if you're feeling better about U.S. Fed policy and better about U.S. growth, there's still a lot of concerns about global growth. And a company like Expedia, 
really depends on global growth for their future growth. The other point is, is the dollar's been pretty strong. And we've heard a lot of warnings from U.S. multinationals about the adverse effects of the dollar. So when I think about the revenue exposure outside the U.S., I think about um, weak U, uh, European and Chinese um, economies, I say to myself, I'm not really sure that I want to make a bet that Expedia is going to have a lot of visibility into the spring. So one last chart. We had that five-year. I'll let Carter speak to it. Doesn't look too different than the chart that he had up of Google. A really well-defined head and shoulders top with a neckline down near 100. So to me, I think you look at this earnings event, you got to give yourself a little time for this one. If that chart tells you anything, that some of these moves take some time to develop. And we'll look out to April expiration when the stock today was trading at 122, you could buy the April 120.95 put spread, paying $5 for that, buying one of the April 120 puts at 560, selling one of the April 95 puts at 60 cents. That costs you, like I said, $5. That is your max risk. It's 4% of the underlying stock price. It breaks even down at 115, and between 115 and 95, you can make up to $20. Um, I like the risk reward for this trade. I'm trying to get as near to the money as I can with this, but I'm also also trying to give myself a bit of time here for this thing to play out. Again, stocks don't always go down in a straight line. Expedia, when they miss and guide down, it does. So, uh, you know, to me, this may be one where you get paid off initially, or it may take a little time. But I do not like the fundamental setup here in Expedia. You know, it's interesting to me. First of all, spending five bucks for a twenty-five dollar wide put spread—that's that's a pretty good risk-reward relationship there. Obviously, going into a catalyst, we talk about this all the time. You do want to try to, when you can, collect a little bit of premium. So the sixty cents, you know, might not seem like much, but that's a, would represent a very sharp move lower for the stock, and that's a good thing too. Because we've seen a couple of earnings where it has had exceptionally sharp moves to the downside. In the last six quarters or so, there's been two where just in the following week, the thing has dropped more than 16%. So to risk you know, 4% or so of the current stock price to make a bet on something that's made those kinds of sharp moves, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it certainly makes a lot of sense relative to, say, potentially shorting the stock as an alternative way to make a bearish bet, which I absolutely wouldn't do. Right. And you heard, uh, Dan, I mean, it's very clear in terms of the formation. Um, it's very similar to the Google head and shoulders top. And yet, what's important about a formation is the duration of the formation. You can have minor, intermediate, and major tops and bottoms. And this has taken place over the course of three years. It's a major head and shoulders top, which has major implications. The Google is about a year in the making, so it only has intermediate implications, meaning uh, this is a bigger setup and has a bigger, more dynamic perspective sell-off. Okay. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com while you're there. Sign up for our newsletter. Rumor has it, it is this week's uh, edition that is, reveals the winner of the Super Bowl. Wow. Here's what's coming up next. Investors have been digging into Chipotle, but Mike Coe says, buyer beware. The stock is too hot to touch right now. He'll give us the trade. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to Options Action. Chipotle shares sizzling of 22% so far in 2019 in one of the best performing S&P stocks over the last year. As the company gears up to report next week, Mike says the stock is looking a little too rich. He's over at the plasma with this call to action. Mike. Yeah, so we're going to take a look at putting on a put spread going into earnings in Chipotle. Here are a couple of the reasons why I'm looking at a trade like this. First of all, the stock is quite expensive right now. I mean, it's trading nearly 50 times trailing earnings. And to put things in perspective, we're going to use some round numbers right now. If they were able to achieve 10% net income margins, which is substantially higher than what they are getting, it could make maybe $500 million a year, that's still going to be 30 times at the $15 billion current valuation. So I'm a little uncomfortable with that. The other thing is, this has already made such a sharp bullish move going into earnings already. This stock is up well over 30% in a relatively short period of time. And the other nice thing about a put spread is if you happen to have been lucky enough to have caught that ride, you could also use this as a mechanism to hedge your long equity exposure as well as just using it as an outright bearish bet. So we can take a look at the chart here and we can obviously let Carter speak to that in a little bit, but here's where we can really see basically the nature of this exceptionally sharp move right up to basically the highest valuations that the company has ever seen. To me, I don't really like that setup going into earnings because it's hard to see how it's really going to propel much higher coming out of it. What could they possibly be saying? So let's take a look at the trade here. I was just looking out to March, looking at the 500 puts, 17 and a half bucks you could spend for those, and then selling the 450s against it for five and a half net net. You're spending about 12 bucks. That's approximately a quarter of the distance between the strikes. Uh, here we're talking about a high dollar stock. This seems like a really big move, and it is because that would represent well over 10% to the downside uh, from where the stock is currently trading. But the thing is, this is a stock that can move. It has just demonstrated that. So to me, I think this is probably a good way to look to mitigate some of the high costs of options, but at the very least to hedge your long exposure if you're long the stock, and if you're inclined to believe, as I do, that the run is basically coming to an end, a way to make a bearish bet as well. All right. Dan, what do you think of Mike's trade? Yeah, so Mike gave a lot of good reasons why someone might want to use a put spread, and especially in a stock like this that trades at a high dollar amount. I mean, listen, if you're doing, if you're considering a short trade on this thing, um, that means you are a trader, and the idea of defining your risk um, in a high price stock like uh, high price stock like this, and trying to get to a quarter of the width of the spread in a really realistic range and time period into an event makes a lot of sense. So I like it. If you agree with all the reasons that Mike lays out why you might want to do this, this trade makes sense. Carter. A couple things. I mean, first, the group acts poorly. You've got a lot of big names like Eat, Texas Roadhouse, um, Cheesecake Factory that just are heavy, not acting well. So it doesn't have momentum as a theme in the market. But also the stock itself. It's a huge rally. We know that it peaked at around 525, sold off to 380 in the December low. Now it's right back to its former high, essentially, uh, those September-October highs. In principle, a rally to a difficult level where overhead supply comes into play. Or said differently, is it already pricing in a prospective earnings beat? I would say yes. Yeah, I mean, it is pricing in a lot of things. Look, management is trying to do a lot of the right things. They are trying to go increasingly digital. They're working on delivery. They're trying to improve same-store sales. They've gotten a lot of the food, tainted food, safety issues behind them. That's all good news. But the stock is very expensive here. It's got 2,400 outlets already. This is not a Shake Shack with 200 stores. There's not an explosive growth story here, and it could potentially also be menu fatigue. So you put all of that together, and I don't see a whole lot of potential upside, but there is some downside risk for sure. All right, up next, Amazon falling more than 5% today and sinking back into a bear market. Is this the beginning of a bigger sell-off? 
We will explain. Plus, got a question for the traders. We'll send us a tweet to at Options Action, and we'll try to read it later in the show. We're live from the NASDAQ and Times Square. Much more Options Action still ahead. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back on some of our open trades. Last week, Cohen Carter said Amazon was prime for a breakdown. This security, which has been in a perfect uptrend repeatedly over and over and over, clearly broke trend. And when it broke trend, it dropped about 37%, and it is ricocheted, of course. The stock is a better sale than a buy. What I'm looking at here was the February 1680, 1670 put spread. And this trade was costing about $4.80. Well, the stock sank 5% today, falling back into a bear market. So, Mike, what are you doing now? Yeah, so this is an interesting situation. We said when we put this trade on, it was essentially a binary, that this was either going to be out of the money or it was going to be in the money. And if it was in the money, you were going to make all the money that you could. Uh, it didn't need to move very much because it was a $10 spread on a nearly $1,700 stock. And it worked our way. It didn't need to go very far. It went as far as it needed to. We actually tweeted about this earlier um, 80% profits in a week, I think we uh, take the money and run. And interestingly, this is a great example where options, I mean, so think of that, 80% profits, but if one had just been short the stock, it rallied all the way till earnings day, then it collapsed today 5%, but you're on the week if you're on the equities, but putting on this strategy, you made a lot of money. All right. Also last week, Dan said he was cautiously optimistic about Facebook into earnings. Here's the chart. You see that well-defined downtrend since that gap last summer. It's right back at a really interesting level. You could buy the February, April 160 call calendars. What am I trying to do here? I'm trying to thread the needle a little bit. I'm playing for consolidation. I think there's a chance the company disappoints next week, but maybe the stock's down enough year over year where it's in yeah. a good spot to set up for, for higher highs. Facebook soared on earnings, and Dan, uh, this is a case of right direction, wrong trade. So how are you managing this? Yeah, great. Uh, thanks a lot for that one, Mel. Um, no, it, it's a great example of, of just, you know, overthinking things a little too much too. Um, you know, I got a lot of things right, but the most important thing wrong, and that's a trade structure. But here's the good thing. I mean, like, you know, this stock, you know, it was up, what, 10% uh, week over week, and this trade is still profitable. So it's not the trade that I would have done if I had high conviction that the stock was going to rally 10% following the results, but I'm still in the game here. And so because I'm short the February 160 call, and I'm long the April 160 call that has two and a half months, that April has a lot more time value than that February. So if the stock were to continue to kind of come in a little bit here over the next week, week and a half into expiration, then this trade should be set up pretty decently. And I don't know what Carter thinks, but 160 should be really good support going for forward. So here's the thing. The trade costs three. It's worth five now. Not a great setup, you know, and, and just if you were cautiously optimistic or bullish. Um, but I'm kind of still in the game here, and I think the stock works higher um, in the next couple months. I think you're being a little too hard on yourself. You know, hindsight is always 20-20, but the trade structure from a statistical point of view was a good one. You faded in the correct direction. 
These are the types of trades that work out more often than not. This one did slightly. Maybe it didn't make as much money as you might have done by do doing something else. But, you know, if you could have picked some winning lottery numbers, maybe that would have won too. So <laughs> I think you want to stick with the smart trades and be happy that this one was a smart trade. That's right. It was smart. It went up, and that's what you were generally anticipating. Here's the thing. I think it went up a little too much. I mean, the move feels impulsive, impetuous, short covering, call it what you will. But it is such a reset for the stock that I think at a minimum it either backs and fills and doesn't make forward progress or actually gives back and works back towards uh, the gap. I would say if one made money, however they did it or whatever, take it and run. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Time to take your tweets. Dan asks, I own the June 9 calls in G for 75 cents. Should I take my profit and run or will it continue to rise? Thanks. Love the show. New to options. You help a lot. All right. Well, so, good, good trade. First of all, I'm assuming you bought it when it was well below $9. Here's the thing. You know, this was once a $400 billion company. And while that does seem sharp in percentage terms now, Given the leverage on their balance sheet, this move actually seems relatively modest to me. The thing is, your calls are now in the money. So what I would do is be inclined to press your bullish bet, but I would probably sell the in-the-money calls and look to buy some longer data out-of-the-money calls. Right, and in terms of the chart of the price action itself, a very controversial stock that has had an important thing. It has doubled off the low. It doubled with a gap. It sets the low as a major low, which means it's asymmetrical, further upside versus falling back. I would stick with it uh, longer term, trade notwithstanding. Wow. All right. Our second question is from Tony. And Tony is wondering if Dan could update his UPS trade. And Dan, Tony is referring to the February, March 105 call calendar that you had recommended a couple weeks back. Yeah. So, Tony, you know, what I was trying to do here is kind of target uh, mid-February uh, with some of the dates that we have and getting up to that trade deadline um, on March 1st. And I'm thinking that if there's any result, a positive result as far as trade's concerned, that UPS should benefit. But here's the thing. Their your results came out. The stock acted better than expected. Um, sentiment's been really poor. This trade is unchanged right now. What I would think about doing is just getting out of it and think about a call spread um, in March or April. All right, time now for the final call. Uh, Dan, what do you say? Yeah, so um, I can't even remember, but let's uh, root for the Rams here down here in Atlanta. <laughs> Carter. <laughs> Double G's, so Google G down, GLD gold up. Mike. Yeah, I like gold, and I like doing put spreads uh, calendars in Google. And actually, I'm going to have to say go peeps. <laughs> All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday at 5.30. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.